This morning we continue our series that we left off in November. It's a series through the book of Ecclesiastes. We had made it through half, halfway through chapter 3 where uh, that famous passage, there's a time for everything. This morning we pick up in Ecclesiastes chapter 3 at verse 16 to the end. It's a great uh, passage for New Year's. Let me read it to us. Hear God's word, Ecclesiastes 3, 16 to the end. Furthermore, I've seen under the sun that in the place of justice there is wickedness, and in the place of righteousness there is wickedness. I said to myself, God will judge both the righteous man and the wicked man. For a time, for every matter and for every deed is there. I said to myself concerning the sons of men, God has surely tested them in order for them to see that they are but beasts. For the fate of the sons of men and the fate of beasts is the same. As one dies, so dies the other. Indeed, they all have the same breath, and there is no advantage for man over beast, for all is vanity. All go to the same place. All came from the dust, and all return to the dust. Who knows that the breath of man ascends upward, and the breath of the beast descends downward to the earth. I've seen that nothing is better than that man should be happy in his activities, for that is his lot, for who will bring him to see what will occur after him. Uh, I've entitled this section, Living When Life Is Not Fair, because of the intro to it, just, uh, it's not fair that you have injustice in the world, and or unfairness in the world. I grew up with... Uh, Two brothers and a sister. So I, I learned very early that uh, life was not fair. I mean, you didn't get the same portion of ice cream. That's not fair. Uh, I was a second, so I got hand-me-downs. That's not fair. Why do, you all, why do you always have to line up kids? That's not fair. You know, why can't we all be first? It's just, there's so many things as you grow up, you start to realize life's not fair. It's not set up in such a way that we can see fairness always. It's not fair at home. It's not fair at sometimes in our courts. It's not fair at church. It's not fair at work. I'll give you a, um, it's not a big revelation, but I don't hear anybody talking about it. We're so excited to see 2020 leave and 2021 to start, but the revelation is 2021 is not going to be a lot different from 2020. It's just not. It's still not going to be fair. You're still going to have to pick up socks. You're still going to have to do laundry. You're still going to have to fix meals. You're still going to have to pay bills. You're still going to have to work extra sometime. And when you catch COVID... It's going, to be it's going to be worse than somebody else. It's just not going to be fair. That's life, the way we exist in it. And if there's a time for everything, which is the context of chapter 3, is there a time also for injustice, unfairness? And God says, yes, that's the life you live. That's our existence I mean, why do we live thinking life's going to one day just be perfect and there's going to be no 
injustice. It's not going to be that way. Um, we've got to learn how to live with the injustice that surrounds us. That's what makes life better. Some of you have been praying for my dad, and I appreciate that. You know, there's just so much that seems unfair to me about COVID. Not only that some people just barely get a taste of it, and other people die from it, and it seems like we're all going to get it at some point. Why we don't get it at the same time is obvious. Why we get it little by little is, is difficult for understanding just what God is doing with all that. But some of the rules we've created during this COVID time, like uh, social distancing and no visitation for my dad who broke his hip and then you couldn't visit him uh, because you might bring him COVID while he was doing therapy. And then he catches COVID in this COVID-free environment and goes to a hospital and then, well, you can't visit him now because you might catch COVID from him and give it to somebody else. So you can't visit him before he has COVID. You can't visit him when he has COVID. When can you visit? Well, you can't. Well, that's not fair. Who created these rules? How do you love someone and care for someone when you can't touch them and kneel beside their bed and pray with them? There's so much. You say, well, i got to learn how to live with that. It's interesting, as I read Ecclesiastes 3, 16 to 22 just now, did you notice God's solution to fairness was not retaliation? Didn't mention that. It was not resentment. I like to resent things, don't you? It was not there. And it was not retreat. Those are not solutions to unfair treatment that God gives us. What are the solutions God does give us? That's beautifully put forth in Ecclesiastes 3, 16 through 22. And I want us to look at it. First of all, we've just got to acknowledge the situation of injustice. Because we want to think it doesn't exist, but it does exist and he tells us that in verse 16. He says, I have seen under the sun in the place of justice. You would think under God there should be nothing but fairness. In the place. And you can go to lots of places where you would think this is a just place. And you're going to find there is wickedness. It should be a place of righteousness. He says, you're going to find it's wickedness. Um, does that bother you? Yeah, it bothers me. Uh, I want fair to be fair. I want right to be right. I don't want injustice. None of us do. Um, you may have heard the story of Harold Morris. Harold Morris was out driving with his teenage buddies and uh, two other guys. He was driving, and the other two said, Hey, pull in the convenience store. I want to get, get, get some drinks and... Uh, and, a, and some crackers. He said, okay. He said, I don't want anything. I'll just, I'll wait for you in the car. The two buddies come out of the convenience store running saying, Harold, drive fast, 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 drive fast. He says, okay, I, I can drive fast, but why am I driving fast? They said, we just robbed the store and we, we shot a man. He said, you did what? And now Harold's an accessory. Well, when the FBI caught up with Harold, they had already caught up with his two buddies and his two buddies blamed everything on Harold. That's not fair. Harold didn't rob anybody. Harold didn't shoot anybody. But Harold ends up going to prison for eight years 
for something he didn't do. And the other two never went to prison. Well, that's not fair. That's our, in a court system, you're supposed to have justice, and righteousness, and fairness. And we see stuff like that all the time. And God says, that's the way it's going to be. It's going to be times when you are expecting it to be fair for you. And it's not going to be. How do you live your life when it's not fair? When it just doesn't. Righteousness just doesn't prevail. Bad stuff happens. Um, Bad stuff probably happened in your home this week. Happened in your work. Happens in the courts of the church. Happens in the courts of the land. It happens all around us. How do we face it? You know, uh, more and more United States of America is moving towards a welfare state. And as we move that direction with the conviction of more and more people that the rich are getting richer, the poor are getting poorer, and so there's the haves and the have-nots, and the resources of the haves are growing so much, certainly they should take care of the needs of the have-nots, and that's created, because people say it's just not fair for it to happen any other way. And this issue is going to come up more and more and more in the next generation, just as you look at the trends that are happening in America, and you don't see the solution being resentment, retaliation, or retreat. So what are the solutions? Let me give you four. Number one, realize injustice is only temporary. You see that in verse 17? Injustice is only temporary. Verse 17, he says, I said to myself, God will judge. Oh, okay, that's good. God's a righteous judge. God sees everything. He's going to get it right. So whatever we're experiencing on earth, it's temporary. God will judge. In other words, I just got a raw deal. It didn't work out the way I think is fair. God's going to fix it. At some point, God will judge. He will fix it. All of us, at some point, have to stand before God and be judged. That's a good, that gives us hope that if we're on the wrong end of unfairness, at some point it's going to be righted. It's the wrong will be made right. God will fix it. It gives us a glimpse of hope and peace. Let me share with you some passages. Look at Psalm 96. Psalm 96, beginning at verse 7. passages of God's judging and the hope it brings us. Psalm 96, beginning at verse 7. I'll read to the end. Ascribe to the Lord, O families of the peoples. Ascribe to the Lord glory and strength. Ascribe to the Lord the glory of His name. Bring an offering and come into His courts. You see where the psalmist is going. It's just right for us to praise and worship God. It's right for us to come into His courts and to bring something to Him. He's our creator. He's our judge. We want to bring Him His tithes and our offerings. Verse 9, worship the Lord in holy attire. It's indicated there that it's, it's, it's a, an element of holiness to bring tithes and offerings to Him. 
when you come before God, come respectfully. Bring him his tithes, his offerings. Tremble before him. Why? Because he's the judge. He's going to get there. All the earth, verse 10, say among the nations, the Lord reigns. God's king of kings. Indeed, the world is firmly established. It will not be moved. He will judge the peoples with equity. That's where the hope is. God's judgment is always just. It's equitable. It's always fair. That's how God will judge when he judges. Verse 11, let the heavens... So you start rejoicing because of that. Let the heavens be glad. Let the earth rejoice. Let the sea roar and all it contains. I mean, you can just imagine if you are in the heavens and you can see more than we can see and you're looking down upon us and say, well, that's not fair. Or even you're the mountains or the sea and if you have ability to be a witness, that's not fair. And he says, well, let all of that praise God because he is going to make it fair. He is going to fix it. So everything comes before God in praise because of His fairness. Verse 12, let the field exult. Uh, let all that's in it, then all the trees of the forest will sing for joy before the Lord, for He is coming, and He is coming to judge the earth. He will judge the world in righteousness and the people, peoples in His faithfulness. So we do God have a, a judging God. But his judgment is always fair. It's equitable. It's righteous. It's just. Look at uh, Psalm 98. So go over a couple. Psalm 98, verse 4. You see the same theme. Shout joyfully to the Lord, all the earth. Break forth and sing for joy and sing praises. Sing praises to the Lord with the lyre. With the lyre and the sound of melody. With trumpets and the sound of the horn. Shout joyfully before the King, the Lord. Let the sea roar and all it contains. The world and those who dwell in it. Let the rivers clap their hands. And let the mountains sing together for joy before the Lord. For He's coming to judge. He's coming to judge the earth. He will judge the world with righteousness. And the people with equity. Again, always faithful and righteous judgment. Uh, give you a New Testament reference. Look at Romans chapter 2. Beginning at verse 3. Romans 2. Beginning at verse 3. Hear God's word. But do you suppose this, O man? When you pass judgment on those who practice such things... People are doing things that aren't fair. And when you call them out, when you do this, and then you do the same yourself, do you, do you suppose you will escape the judgment of God? Verse 4. Do you think lightly of the riches of His kindness and the tolerance and patience, not knowing that the kindness of God leads to repentance? But because of your stubbornness and unrepentant heart, you're storing up wrath for yourself in the day of wrath and revelation of the righteous judgment of God, who will render to each man according to his deeds, to those who by perseverance in doing good seek for glory and honor and immortality, eternal life. But to those who are selfishly ambitious and do not obey the truth, but obey unrighteousness, there's his wrath and indignation. Our unfair situation is temporary. It's temporary. 
God's going to fix it. God's going to make all wrongs right at some point. God will judge. That's, that's encouraging. It helps me tolerate injustice. I can say I don't like it, but I don't have to worry about fixing it. That's God's job. He's going to do it. He's going to get it done, and he's the only one who can do it right because he's perfect in righteousness. He's perfect in fairness. So realize, injustice that you're going through, I'm going through, it's only temporary. Number two, realize we're a lot like animals. Really, we're a lot more like animals than we are like God at times. And that's the point that I think Solomon's trying to make here in Ecclesiastes. Verses 17 through 22. It seems a little confusing. Um, Well, go ahead and skip down to verse 18. He says, I said to myself concerning the sons of men, God has surely tested them in order for them to see they they are but beasts. He starts using this animal analogy. We're we're like beasts. For the the fate of the sons of men and the fate of beasts is the same. We both die. We're, We're like animals in that we die. See, God doesn't. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. But we're a lot like animals in that we're not uh, always going to exist on earth. We're going to die. And then he uses the analogy. He says, we got the same air. We breathe the same air the animals are breathing. When you cut that air off for them, they die. You cut the air off for us, we die. He says, we're a lot like animals. Do we realize that? We need to realize that. Did you, did you notice the word Test. We sometimes forget God is testing us. Verse 18, I said to myself concerning the sons of men, God has surely tested them. God's testing us to see if we we get life, if we do it right. Our tendency is to want to exalt ourselves, isn't it? I'm bad, I'm bad. Meaning, I'm good, I'm good, I'm very good. Or we look at certain makeup products I'm worth it. It's expensive, but I'm worth it. And we're always wanting to kind of beef ourselves up, boost ourselves, thinking we are more like God than like animals. Would you buy that? Would you get that for your dog? No. Well, God says you're a lot more like that dog than you are like me. In other words, you can't fix it. We, when we exalt ourselves to be like God, we're putting us, ourselves in the position of being able to fix things. God says, you can't fix it. Dogs can't fix it, and you can't fix it. And you've got to find out your, your place, where you really are in life. And you're a lot more like animals than God. Now, I know in Genesis 1, and this does not contradict it, in Genesis 1, God says, I have made man in our image. In the image of God, he has made man, male and female. So we are made in the image of God. And yet we're not God. We're more like animals, is what he's saying here, in that we're going to die. And we're going to be unjust and unfair at times. God has neither of those problems. Um, We need to see we don't deserve it. I think that's the point. What does the dog deserve? Well, give him air and food and be nice. Is it fair for him to sleep on the floor when you get to sleep in the bed? He doesn't deserve it. 
He's a dog. You're a lot like that dog. Start realizing a lot of the things that you're complaining about, you're complaining because you think you are somebody and you're worth it. Instead of realizing we're all creatures under God. I think that's the analogy he's, he's making more and more here. That we need to learn to live in and with a lot of injustice and be a lot less demanding. Our animals are a lot less demanding than we are. And at times we think it's demanded. We, you have to do certain things a certain way because I said so. Instead of understanding the situation may not be fair. You may not get everything you want, but this is the way it is. And we can live with that when we realize we're more like animals than we are like God in that regard. Number three, so realize injustice is temporary. Realize we're more like animals. Number three, reassure ourselves of the rewards of the righteous. Verse 21, who knows that the breath of man ascends upward, the breath of, breast, the, breath of the beast descends downward. So here's a way we're different than animals. He uses the analogy both ways. He says, reassure yourself, you're not completely like an animal. The animal doesn't face judgment. He goes to the ground. He dies. He's buried. It's over. In other words, there's no dog rewards. There's no reward for being a good dog. On earth, yeah, you can give them, give them a treat. But when they die, it's done. For us, our, 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 our physical bodies return to dust. But our spirits ascend, it says, to our judge, to our God. There are people rewards. Not dog rewards, but there are people rewards. And so understanding that, reassure yourself, there are benefits to being fair, to being right, to being just, to doing things the way God wants things done. There are great benefits for that. We should care about justice and righteousness. We need to move that direction. Um, some people really struggle with verse 21. Um, saying, is it a question or is it a statement? I think most translations that I've checked out have the question mark at the end of verse 21. You've probably got that. If you look it up in the Hebrew, and I don't often do that. I, I don't pretend to be a Hebrew scholar. Although, I don't think it's fair. They required me to take three years of Hebrew to be a preacher. I don't think that's fair. I didn't really like it that much. So, but I can read a little bit of it. And in Hebrew, just one little slash makes all the difference. It's called an interrogative mark. And that interrogative mark is not here in this text. One reason, I don't really think it's a question. The second reason is because of the context. The context, if, if it's a question, you're saying, who knows whether or not we go to heaven or not? That we see our judge or not? That's the question. Who knows that? Well, that's not the question. It's not the question because he's already said in verse 17, we, we have a judge. We do at, at death still see God. And he says it again in verse 22. That uh, who will bring him to see what will occur after him. So there's something for us after this life on earth. 
So I don't think it's a question. It's a statement. And the statement in verse 21 is, who really considers? So it's, it's not asking for an answer. It's, it's asking, do you consider... Let me read it. Do you consider that the breath of man ascends upward and the breath of the beast descends downward to the earth? In other words, do you consider it to the degree you, do, you live your life differently? If you know there are rewards that at the end of your life you're going to see God, does that not change the, the end game? Does that not change everything in the game? That I know... God sees everything. He keeps account of everything. And there will be a day of reckoning that I will see him face to face. See, who considers that? Sometimes we put that out of our mind and out of sight and forget it. And it changes how we live. But if we live in light of seeing Jesus with the understanding that we can lay up for ourselves on earth while we're on earth treasures in heaven... As Jesus taught in the Sermon on the Mount, he says, don't live your life like you're living it on the earth. Live it like you're living, going to be living in heaven. Lay up for yourself treasures. Do stuff on earth that matters when this earth is gone. He says, when you do that, you, you work through injustice. Because it's like, yeah, I know this is not fair, it's not right, but this is how I'm going to respond. This is what I'm going to do. And I'm living in light of seeing the judge. I want to be on the right side of things. I don't care whether it's your side of things. It's, what I care about is whether it's God's side of things. Because God's the judge and I've got to see him one day. And that changes how we respond to everything from COVID to how we respond to the kid that's crying. Changes how we live. Let me give you some verses. Um, it gives us assurance for one. Great hope. Look at Acts 7. Um, love this imagery of Stephen. When he was in the moment of his death, he has this vision of God on his throne. And God shares that with us. Uh, Acts 7, verse 54. Now when they heard this, they were cut to the quick and they began gnashing their teeth at him. So all Stephen's doing is preaching. Um, and he basically says, you folks are resisting the Holy Spirit. You're not listening to the Word of God. And they get mad. And so they pick up stones to stone in verse 55. Being full of the Holy Spirit. This is Stephen. So they're picking up stones. They're uh, gnashing their teeth. They're ready to stone Stephen. He gazes intently into heaven. And notice what he sees. I, he saw the glory of God. And Jesus standing at the right hand of God. Jesus is the intercessor. So if you've got God the Father on the throne, Christ beside him, when something unfair is happening to one of his children, Stephen, Jesus stands up. Take notice. Gets all of heaven to look and see. And Stephen says, I see Jesus. And he's standing for me. He's interceding for me. He's going to fix this. They're fixing to throw rocks at me and kill me, but Jesus, I see him. And he's going to fix it. See, it changes everything when you know you're going to see Jesus. And Stephen goes on about that, verse 56, and he said, Behold, I see the heavens open up and the Son of Man standing at the right hand of God. And the people cry out with a loud voice and they covered their ears. You know, they didn't want to hear that. 
Why? Because they're on the wrong side of justice. They're on the wrong side. I don't want to hear that I'm on the wrong side because God's going to fix it against me instead of fix it for me. Stephen says God's going to fix it for him. That made all the difference in the, road, in the world. Verse 58, when they had driven him out of the city, they began stoning him, and the witnesses laid aside their robes at the feet of a young man named Saul, and they went on stoning Stephen as he called on the Lord and said, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. And then falling on his knees, he cried out with a loud voice, Lord, do not hold this sin against them. Having said this, he fell asleep. He knew it was a sin. He knew it was unjust. He knew they were killing him for for no good reason. But he wanted to be on the right side of justice. God received my spirit. Spirit goes upward to God. His body was being covered with stones. His spirit ascends upward and he sees the judge. And the judge fixes it and makes it right. See, that changes things when we realize that... There are rewards for the righteous. Look at Micah. You know this verse, Micah 6, 8. We've sung it in songs. I remind you of it. He has told you, O man, Micah 6, 8. What's good? God's told you that. He's told you what's good. You know what's good. And what does the Lord require of you? God's pretty much told you. You know God requires stuff of you. You can make a list of some things. And then he gives us three. I want you to do justice, to love kindness, and to walk humbly with your God. He's told you, old man, what is good, what is right. He wants you to walk, to to, to love justice, to walk humbly, to love mercy. Um, Is he going to judge? What, this doesn't matter? No, it matters. He wouldn't have told us if it didn't matter. Understanding, so us understanding God's ways and doing God's ways, there's going to be rewards for it. Uh, the Apostle Paul spoke of rewards. Let me give you a couple here. Look at 2 Timothy chapter 4. 2 Timothy chapter 4. By the way, this passage is one of the passages that God used to help me as one of your leaders to say we need to have the church open doing, doing in-person worship. He says here, 2 Timothy 4 verse 2, preach the word. That's my job, right? Preach the word and be ready in season and out of season. So it doesn't matter whether it's COVID season or not. It doesn't matter whether COVID's in season or out of season. I'm supposed to be preaching both seasons, whether people say it's time to do it or whether people say it's not time to do it. I'm still supposed to be doing it. God wants it done without closure, without suspension. He wants it going constantly, preaching the word, reproving, rebuking, exhorting with great patience and instruction. For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine. But wanting to have their ears tickled, they will accumulate for themselves teachers in accordance to their own desires. And they'll turn away their ears from the truth and will turn aside to myths. You know, the the myth is you'll be better off by 
not hearing the preaching of the word. You'll be better off by not worshiping God, by not coming before him, by not treating him as the God, the judge that he is. You'll be, that's a myth. You won't be better off. Verse 5. But you, be sober in all things, endure hardship, do the work of an evangelist, fulfill your ministry. And then he gives himself as an example of that. I'm already being poured out as a drink offering. In other words, this ministry of preaching, Paul says, has literally got me to the place it's killing me. It literally is. And the time of my departure, I'm about to die. Time of my departure has come. But notice this. I have fought the good fight. I have finished the course. I have kept the faith. So in the future, there is laid up for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award to me. And then notice the next phrase, because it includes you and me. And not only to me, but also to all who have loved his appearing. Do you love seeing Jesus? Do you love seeing Jesus show up in the preaching of the word and speak to you? Paul says, there are people like me, preachers. He says, preachers love seeing Jesus show up. Preachers love preaching the word of God so that Christ appears. He says, but there are other people who love to see Jesus. They love to see his appearing to them. And, coming, and those people will also get a reward. They will get a crown of righteousness. Be treated with fairness, with righteousness. Rest assured, in a world of injustice, those who are looking to see Jesus are going to find reward in looking to see Jesus. I hope you're looking to see Jesus. Because in that, there is great reward. I hope you're looking constantly at his word. He's told you, old man, what's right, what's wrong, what's good. I hope, like Stephen, we can all see Jesus standing for us, for those who are looking to him for what's right. Well, reason number four, how to, or solution number four to how to live with injustice and maybe the, the most difficult for some of us, found in verse 22. Let me read it again. I have seen that nothing is better than that man should be happy in his activities. This is his lot. We've got to learn to retrieve the happiness, the advantages out of the disadvantages. So we live in a world where there's all sorts of disadvantages. Make things unfair. How do we retrieve? How do, how do we learn to be happy when bad things are happening to us? Well, first of all, I think you've got to realize, it took me a long time to realize, happiness is a choice. If you're not teaching that to your kids, teach it to your kids. If you're not coaching yourself, coach yourself. I have to wake up in the morning. I have to choose to be happy. Because some of you wake up and... There are parts of you that don't move when you wake up. And you hurt. And there's arthritis. And there's afflictions. And there's pains. And weak eyesight. And weak muscle. Weak body parts. Things start happening. You have to choose to be happy. 
Because your body doesn't necessarily scream happiness. You gotta, you gotta, you gotta, man should be, it's better that man should be happy in his activities. We've got to choose that somehow. It's not always easy, but we've got to learn to, to uh, change our response. Say it another way. I was uh, uh, president of my senior class in college. It was my job to, to get our commencement speaker. And as I was doing that, um, I had uh, contacted a guy who was at uh, Reform Seminary to, uh, uh, to be our speaker. And uh, in talking with him, his name was, I was trying to think of his name, his Na- name was uh, Dr. Jim Hurley. And during that year, uh, his wife uh, had cancer. She uh, uh, had all sorts of issues. It wasn't sure that she was going to live. And he had issues, and there was other family issues. And I became an insider to all this news. And so as I was talking with uh, Jim about coming to speak, I said, I said, man, it looks like this is just the wrong time for you to come to speak. And so uh, he said, I said, I'm praying that your wife will be healed. I'm praying that you'll be healed. I'm praying that other people will be healed. He said, quit praying that. And I said, excuse me? What? He said, he said David, uh, all of these circumstances are under the sovereignty of God. He says, I don't really ever pray so much that circumstances are changed so that I can come and speak. He said, so don't pray for new circumstances. He says, pray that God will give me wisdom and strength to deal with the circumstances I'm in. There's a big lesson there. Choose to be happy in your activities. And the way to be happy in your activities is to have the wisdom to handle them. And to have the strength to endure them. We need, to, we need to learn to live that way. Instead of, Lord, change my circumstances and make them fair. God said, no, no, I'm testing people through the injustice of the world. I'm not removing that off the scene. So if injustice is not going to be necessarily removed, I've got to learn to go through it. I've got to have strength to endure it. And I've got to have wisdom to respond rightly to it. And one of the ways to respond is by learning to find happiness in my activities. I remember going to a concert, a uh, Christian concert artist, was a phenomenal pianist. I don't remember her name. I just remember so many people were saying, man, it's just so unfair. She was born blind. She has such talent. If she, if she could actually read music, if she could see stuff, it's, uh, she'd be phenomenal. And when she took the stage, she said, I just want to go ahead and put it out there. People are always saying, how do I deal with this blindness? Because um, people say it's unfair. I just want you to know. Blindness doesn't bother me. She said, do you realize you see a lot of bad stuff? You see a lot of junk in your life. She said, I've never seen any of it. And the first thing I see is going to be my Savior's face in all of His glory. How much greater will be that glory for me? Because I haven't been drugged down into the pits of the earth with you. See, she was was learning to see the happiness in her activity. She was choosing 
joy in her treatment. And it'd be a great exercise for all of us around the table, or in, we might do it in my discipleship class in a minute. To just get experience after experience, experiences you've been in and you've seen, find, figured out somehow to be happy in it. How God's worked through it. When you finally accepted the unjust circumstance and started being filled with his wisdom and his strength. I think that's what Solomon is teaching us. How do we respond? Well, how do you live when life's not fair? It's not going to be any more fair this year. But one thing I know for sure, ultimately in Christ there's relief. Ultimately in Christ there's reward. Ultimately in Christ there is rejoicing. So we need to be in Christ. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word that teaches us how to live in this unfair environment we call earth. Draw us to yourself. We need Jesus. Only Jesus can help us. Only Jesus can fix us. Only Jesus is righteous. Forgive us, Lord, of all the wrong stuff we've done, the wrong ways we've responded. And Lord, bring us back to the truth that it would bring you honor and glory. We ask in Jesus' name. Amen.